This parak, this chapter, focuses on the utensils that can be used for filling up with water from a spring that is later going to be mixed with the ashes of the Parat Aduma. The first mission of this parak talked about a utensil that is made out of earthenware, and that is unique in that an earthenware utensil, once it has become tome, cannot be purified unless it is broken, which means that we really need to make sure that it has never become tome before. Whereas most utensils, if they are made out of metal, for example, or wood, then they can be purified by dipping them into a mikveh, a collection of natural rainwater, and therefore even if they have become tommy, that's not a problem. The Mishnah says, One who immerses a utensil for the sake of using it for the Parat meaning he's going to fill up that utensil with the spring water, now, in order to purify a utensil like metal or wood, it can either be immersed in a mikveh, which is a still collection of natural rain- rainwater in a pit that is still, and alternatively, it could also be purified by dipping it into a mayon, which is a flowing spring. Now, we have learned that the water that is going to be placed into the utensil and the ashes is going to be mixed with the water, that water must come from a natural spring. Now, the Mishnah says if he dipped the utensil in order to purify it, he dipped it into water that is not fit for the actual solution of the Para'aduma, meaning he used a mikveh, which is still water, as opposed to a flowing spring. So then once he takes that utensil out of the mikveh and it is wet, before adding the natural spring water into it, Tzorich Nagev, he needs to dry the utensil so that there will be no other water mixed in with the natural spring water. But if he used water that is the same type of water that is fit for that which is going to be used for the Paraduma solution, meaning that he immersed it in a mayon, a natural flowing spring, then there is no need to dry that utensil, because even the drops that remain there are fit to be used for the Paraduma solution. Now the Mishnah talks about a case where the spring water has already been collected, in a utensil, not only that, but the ashes of the Paraduma have already been added into the water. It should be noted, by the way, that the terminology that is used to describe that process of adding the ashes to the water is Kiddush, and the water is called Mayim Kudoshim, which means that it's water that is sanctified. That is the literal meaning. It's called Kiddush. So if Kiddush has already been performed, and now they want to transfer the mixture of the natural spring water with the ashes of the Paraduma into a different utensil. So they bring another utensil, and they, and they need to immerse it in, in a mikveh first, with the specific intention that they're going to use it for the sake of the Paraduma solution. Even if they now dip it into a mayon, which is a natural flowing spring, they would need to wipe the remaining drops before transferring the water. Because it's all very nice that the water came from a natural spring, so technically it is fit to be considered the solution of the Paraduma. But at the end of the day, it is not, and the ashes were added to other water. So once the... Mayim Kudoshim has been made, if any other water, regardless of its type, is added to it, then it would invalidate it. So the Mishnah says, in this case, whether the other utensil was dipped into a mikveh or a mayon, 
a still body of water or a flowing spring, they need to dry it off before transferring the Mayim Kudoshim into that utensil. By the way, the more commonly used term to describe the solution, the mixture of the water with the ashes, is not Mayim Kudoshim, but rather Mechatos. The water of the Paraduma, that is the general term used, Mechatos. Mishnah Gimel, Keruya, a hollowed-out gourd that was used often in those days as a bucket, they would use it for wells, and they wanted to use it now for the Paraduma, the Mechatos, so they immersed it in a mikveh, and they used water that is not fit for the Mechatos itself meaning they purified it in a mikveh, which is a still body of natural rainwater, as opposed to a flowing natural spring. So now it is purified, it's ready to be used for the Paraduma. Mekajimba, they are able to put the natural spring water into it, and then perform kiddush by adding the ashes of the Paraduma to the water. Adshatitame, unless the utensil becomes tome. The point of the Mishnah is that we're not concerned, even though the gourd would absorb the water from the mikveh, and there is a small possibility that later on that water will seep out of the walls and be mixed with the water that is held inside of it. And if any water other than the mechatos itself is mixed with it, then it invalidates the mechatos. But the Mishnah says that we are not concerned that the water will seep out of the walls, and therefore it can be used. However, Nitma'ah, if the gourd itself became tome, then even if it was purified in a mikveh, it cannot be used anymore. Ein mekadshin they cannot use it for the mechatos, the paraduma waters, because in this case, the water that is absorbed in the walls of the gourd is tome water. Because when the gourd became tome, all of it, including the walls, became tome, and when it was purified, the inside part of the wall wasn't touched by the water of the mikveh, so it never became pure, the water that was absorbed into the walls. So if that water will then seep out into the... and be mixed with the water that is held by the gourd, then it would make that water tome. It wouldn't only be a case of wrong type of water being mixed with it, but it would actually make it tome. Now, what difference does it make? Surely we're not concerned that it will seep out at all. So the truth is, it's not entirely accurate. There is a small chance that the water will seep out of the walls. However, with regards to regular water that was from the mikveh, if it wasn't tome, we're not so concerned, because even if it does seep out of the walls, because it's such a small amount, it will be nullified by the larger amount of the paraduma water itself. However, according to this opinion of the Mishnah, if the Tommy water seeps out into that mixture, there's no such thing as nullifying the Tommy water, because quite the opposite will happen. The Tommy water, as soon as it mixes with the rest of the water, all of it will become Tommy. And therefore, because there is, at the end of the day, a small possibility that the water will seep out, and in the case where it is Tommy water, if it seeps out of the walls, then it will make all of the water Tommy. It therefore cannot be used. However, Yeshua, I remember Yeshua says... That we don't make this differentiation. If you hold that at the beginning, meaning if it is never, if the gourd has never become tome, then it can be used to hold the mechatos. Then even at the end, meaning even after it has become tome, you should be able to use it for holding the mechatos because you must hold that the water does not seep out, and we're not concerned for that possibility. And if you hold 
that you cannot use it for holding the meichatos because at, at the end, once he has become tome, that means that you're concerned that the water will come out of the walls. So if that's the case, then even at the beginning, without it becoming tome, you can't use it because if the water seeps out, that's the wrong type of water and it will invalidate the meichatos. Now, the first opinion of the Mishnah explained himself pretty well, because there is a differentiation. If it's Tome water, then it cannot be nullified. However, the truth is, Rabbi Yeshua argues, because according to Rabbi Yeshua, a Tome liquid, at least on a Mid-Oraisa level, according to the strict letter of the law, according to the Torah, it cannot make something else Tome. A Tome liquid can't make something else Tome. And because of that, even when the liquid is Tome, and it will seep out, so it should really be nullified by the rest of the water. Only if it would make the other liquid tomimid oraiso would we say that it isn't nullified. And therefore, according to Rabbi Shua, in both of these cases, even if it will seep out and be mixed with the mechatos, it should be nullified. So how can we differentiate between the two cases? Rather, it must be Rabbi Shua that the law is the same for both of them, benkach or benkach, in either case, whether the water, the gourd, and by extension the water that is absorbed in the walls of the gourd, whether it has become Tomei or not, they cannot place the Meichatos, the Paradroma waters, inside of that gourd. Because there is a concern that the water will seep out, and if that will happen, then Medirabbonon at least, we would not consider it to be nullified, and it would no longer be pure Meichatos. We have seen that the Kohen who had performed the procedure of the Paradroma was made Tomei deliberately, with a relatively low level of impurity that day, after which we would go to the mikveh and he would have the status of a tvul yoim, who is somebody who was tome and went to the mikveh that day, and he still has a very low level of impurity, and according to the Torah, a tvul yoim is fit to perform the procedure of the para However, there was a group of heretics, the tzedukim, who learnt from the literal understanding of the Pesukim that such a person is not able to perform the procedure. So in order to show that they were wrong, the Chachomim purposefully used somebody who was a Tevul to carry out the Paradoma procedure. Likewise, the, the utensil that would be used to hold the Mechatos, the water mixed with the Paradoma ashes, was also made Tome and then immersed in a Mikvah so that it would also have the status of a Tevul the mission discusses a shafiferis, a type of hollowed-out reed that is closed on one end and it can be used as a container to hold the mechatos. Shechatocha lechatos. The person who made it, he cut it and formed it with the intention of using it for the sake of the paraduma solution to hold it. And he was careful that it wouldn't become tome at all from the moment that it was completed. Such an item, Midirabonon, one is obligated to immerse it in a mikveh before using it for the paraduma or for carbonis. These are two things that we are more careful about its purity. So even if from the moment that the item was formed, the person was careful that it wouldn't become tome, nevertheless, Midirabonon, one needs to dip it in the mikveh. And this is a rabbinic requirement that has nothing to do with the heretics and making sure that we use something that is a tavul yoim. And the truth is, the tumor that these items have, items that the owner was careful that it wouldn't become tome from the moment that it was formed and completed, the level of impurity midrabon that it has is on a low level, such that once it's been dipped into the mikveh, it doesn't have any impurity at all, which means that it hasn't got the status of a tavul yoim. 
Nevertheless, Rabbi Eliezer, Aimer Eliezer says, Yat bil miyad, they can dip that item into the mikveh immediately, and that can be used for the procedure of the paraduma, even though it's not considered to be a tavulyaim. Because at the end of the day, the tzedukim won't really realize the exact status of this item. They'll see that we are putting it into the mikveh in order to purify it, and we're still using it. So as far as showing them that even a tavulyaim utensil can be used for the paraduma, there's no issue. However, Rabbi Yeshua says, we first need to make it tome, and then put it into the mikveh, so that it will really have the status of a tevul and the tzedukim will see that we are still using it. Continues the Mishnah, anybody is considered to be fit to perform the kiddush, which is the act of adding the paraduma ashes to the water, except for a deaf and dumb person, or a fool, somebody who is totally mad, and a child under the age of Barabbas Mitzvah. It's learnt from Pesukim that these people who do not have a sufficient level of understanding, such that their legal actions are generally not considered to be significant, they also cannot be the ones to perform the Kiddush. Rabbi Yehuda Mashir Bakoton, Rabbi Yehuda, the way that he learns the Pesukim, it comes out that the he considers a child to be fit to perform this service. However, he learns from the Pesukim that Upaisel Be'isha, he invalidates a woman for performing the service, Uva Androginus, or an androgynous who is somebody who has both male and female features, and is not considered to be a fully-fledged male, and therefore cannot perform this service. Just like a woman cannot perform the service according to Rabbi Yehuda. Mission Hey, the Torah talks about the utensil that is going to hold the mechatos as a kli. And the Mishnah explains that any utensil, any kli, can be used for the act of Kiddush, to add the ashes to the water, even a utensil that's made out of the dung of animals, or that's made out of stone, or that's made out of earth, that hasn't been hardened into earthenware, even though, in regards to the laws of impurity, these are not considered to be halachic kalim, and they cannot become tome at all. Nevertheless, that's only with regards to the laws of tumah, that we don't consider it to be a kli. But for the rest of the Torah, it's considered to be a utensil, and therefore it can be used for the Paraduma procedure. Likewise, Wasfina, a ship which is not considered to be a kli with regards to the laws of Tumar, Makanchenbar, one can use it for the Kiddush of a Paraduma because for the rest of the Torah, it is considered to be a kli. On the other hand, in Makanchen Bedofnis Akalim, one cannot use the walls of utensils if the side of a utensil is broken off. And it's curved, so it can hold the mechatos. Since it's broken, it's not considered to be a kli, so it can't be used. The bottom of a large barrel, if it's curved, it also cannot be used because it's broken off. It's not considered to be a kli. An indentation, which is in a stopper of a barrel. It's sort of a lid that has a part of the top of the lid that is able to hold liquids. Since, again, it's not considered to be a kli in and of itself, it cannot be used. And you also cannot use the palms of your hands, because the Torah requires a proper kli, a proper utensil, as the Mishnah goes on to explain. Because one cannot fill up the water from the spring, and you can't perform the kiddush, the adding of the ashes to the water, and we can't sprinkle the mechatos onto people in order to make them pure, those three actions need to be performed with a kli specifically.
Now, the Mishnah continues with two laws with regards to the laws of impurity in general, where there is also a requirement for a kli, a utensil. And over here, we're going to see that even with regards to the laws of impurity, there are certain cases where we need a kli, but not necessarily a kli that can become tome, even an, a stone kli, which with regards to many of the laws of impurity is not considered to be a kli, since objectively in the rest of the Torah is considered to be a kli, so for these laws it would also be considered a kli. The law of tzomid posel applies to kalim, that is to say if there is a utensil that is not able to become tome, and it's totally sealed, there's no opening to that utensil, anything that's inside of it is protected from becoming tome, even if it's inside of a room that has a dead body. And that applies even to stone utensils. And in addition to that, any utensil that is inside of a earthenware utensil, even if it's not totally sealed shut, there is an additional law called that in under certain circumstances, that which is inside of that inner kli will be protected because it's inside a kli that's inside a different earthenware utensil. The details of this law is not the subject of this Masechta, so we're not going to go into it now. But the point of the Mishnah is that with regards to that law as well, it would apply to any kli, as long as it is a kli. If it's something which is broken, then it would not apply.